Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. It is a joy to worship together in this place, just as it is a joy to be bringing the message to those of you who are uh, joining via live stream. So good morning, Salem Alliance. My name is Jennifer. I am one of the pastors here on staff. And we are, as Jeff mentioned earlier, finishing up our series on God on the Move. So today, I want to talk with us about the story of Ruth. One of the things that I've noticed that is so noticeable about our new neighbors, Adela, thank you, is their resilience in the face of loss and hardship, this strength and faith that has risen with the capacity to adapt to what is going on, this resilience that is a gift of God. And it's this resilience that I want to talk about this morning. So let's look at a definition together. Resilience could be said to be the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Basically, our lives these days. The capacity to recover from difficulties. Friends, we need resilience. We need this ability to adapt in the face of what is going on in the world around us. And so today, what I want to tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt is that God builds resilience in those who are faithful to him. God builds resilience in those who are faithful to him. In preparing for this weekend, I was talking with Doug, who was leading worship this morning, about the the year that he and his wife lived in a foreign country. And he was talking about how difficult it was just to do everyday things like going to the store. When you're fighting through a different language and a different currency and just different ways that things happen. And underlining all of that is the sensitivity that you hold to not offending the people in this culture with their customs that, that you've come to live among. That it was just exhausting to live when it is a foreign way of doing life. And as we consider this idea of a foreign way of doing life, one of the things I'd like us to consider is that being foreign, it can be when we go to a place where we've not been before, or when someone comes here who's not from here, but foreign can also be when something just isn't happening the way that we've always known it to happen, when the people and the places, the culture and the customs shift. And I think that we would all agree that there are many of us who are currently exhausted because we're doing life in a foreign way of doing life. I think of just school. My middle son, Titus, and two of my nephews, actually, are all seniors this year, class of 2021, and they are doing school in a foreign way of doing school. I think of you parents. So many of you are figuring out how to do homeschool or how to navigate distance learning and how to do those things while you keep up on a job that you're now doing from home or trying to... You're parenting in a foreign way of parenting. Whether it's that your job has changed or maybe you're a kid and you love sports. You just live from season to season and now it's just uncertain when you get to play those sports next. And masks. 
I mean, talk about a foreign way of doing life. We are all getting used to doing life in new ways, and we need resilience. And God builds resilience in those who are faithful to him. There's a story in God's word. It's the story of Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite woman who has a big part in the big God story. And so we want to learn God's Ruth story today, see how God built re... I keep getting mixed up with resistance. Resilience. It's a big difference, people. God builds resilience in Ruth and how he can build resilience in you and I for the world that we face. So Ruth, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. So a famine is when there's not enough food for everybody. And in this culture and time, this was a farming community, which probably means there was a crop failure for some reason, and there literally wasn't enough food for everyone in the community. So this man decided that to provide for his family, he would have to leave his homeland and go to a different place where they could find food for his wife and for his children. So they settled in a place called Moab, but after a time, this man actually died, and he left his wife and two sons as a widow and two sons in a foreign land. Over time, those two sons married Moabite women, and then it says that 10 years later, both of those sons died. And this left this woman, Naomi, a widow in a foreign land with no way to provide for herself or her daughters-in-law. Friends, in the culture and time period that we're talking about, protection and provision all came through the male line. Your father or your husband or your sons provided for you and made sure that you were protected. And for Naomi, this widow, and her two Moabite daughters-in-law, there were no more men in their family to take care of them, watch out for them, and provide for them. So when Naomi heard that the famine had ended back in Bethlehem, she decided to take her daughters-in-law and travel back to her home country. But as they began traveling, Naomi had a change of heart, and she turned to both of her daughters-in-law, and she said, go home. Go back to your people and your God. Go back to your parents. Marry someone else. You don't have to carry this weight to this new country. You don't need to come with me as foreigners to a new land. One of her daughters-in-law decided, I'll go back to my family, and they hugged and they cried, and she left. And Naomi turned to her second daughter-in-law, Ruth, and she said, go back. And Ruth said, I will not go back. And as Naomi tried again to convince her, she said, go back to your people and your gods. And Ruth made a comment that lets us know that Ruth was choosing the God of Israel that she had seen in Naomi's life. We pick this up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Friends, in the face of deep loss, In the face of an unknown future, Ruth chose God. 
Ruth chose God in the face of the unknown. She didn't know what Naomi was going back to. She didn't know what life in Bethlehem would look like. She was going to be a foreigner in a foreign land, and she chose that route to honor God, to honor her mother-in-law, to help take care of Naomi. Ruth chose God in the face of the unknown. Just for a picture of what this journey would be, uh, take a look at this, this map. It's kind of a rough map of the Middle East, and you'll see that they started down here in Moab on the right. They had to go up and over the Dead Sea and then back down on the other side to Bethlehem. Just to put that into context, we'll put a map of Oregon up here. If a person were to start walking in Albany and go north to Oregon City, cross over the top and then come back down into McMinnville, that's about 100 miles. And that's how far Ruth and Naomi walked to get back to Bethlehem. You can see by our little walking guy that there's an estimate of 33 hours if you're walking at an average pace. So we don't know how many days this took Ruth and Naomi, but we know that when they arrived in Bethlehem, it caused quite a stir. The women of town recognized Naomi and, and there was this recognition that they were back and that Naomi had brought a Moabite woman with her, Ruth. But they arrived at harvest time, just when all the farmers were reaping the harvest of their year's worth of work so they could set aside food for the winter. And Ruth and Naomi didn't have a field. They didn't have a planting. They didn't have anything to harvest. And so even though they've arrived at their destination, their future is still uncertain. And in Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, we see that one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. So what Ruth has decided is that she needs to provide for herself and for Naomi. And so she's going out to do what we call gleaning. She's not the harvester. They've already come through and gotten all the crop out of the field. She's just going after them and picking up any leftovers that they may have dropped, hoping that by the end of the day, she can scoop up enough to feed she and Naomi for that night. Friends, this is hard work. It's dusty. It's hot. It gets itchy. As a matter of fact, I looked this up just the other day when I was preparing for this. Check out this screenshot. The weather in Jerusalem two days ago was 100 degrees. So picture Ruth, 100 degrees, out in a field, picking up the leftovers, simply trying to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. And she catches the attention of a man named Boaz. Boaz happens to be the owner of the field that she just happens to end up in, which do we already see God on the move? Boaz is a relative of Naomi's, and he sees Ruth and he takes mercy on her. He's kind to her. He pulls her aside and he said, don't go to anybody else's fields. Stay in my fields for the whole harvest season. Work with the girls who work in my field. He even told his harvesters to pull out stalks of grain from their bundles and drop them so that it would be easier for her to find food to take home to Naomi. And we see the second choice that Ruth made here because in chapter 2, verse, 16, verse 10, it says, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. In the midst of being displaced from her home, of backbreaking work, of choosing God and still living in the unknown, Ruth chooses gratitude. She chooses a grateful heart. She chooses to notice the gift that's been given to her and the kindness that's been done to her and to express a thankful heart. 
Ruth chooses this hard work. She chooses this gratitude. And the other thing that we see Ruth choose is actually courage in a really awkward situation. Because after the harvest was over, Naomi, her mother-in-law, came up with an idea that was, well, let's just say it was awkward. Ruth, chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. And Naomi goes on to describe a scheme that can only be described as awkward because she's telling Ruth to basically go to where Boaz is on the threshing floor, wait until everything has settled down for the night and he's asleep, and then approach him with this question. Essentially, the question is, will you marry me? Now, I don't know how you pictured your proposal moment. I don't know how your engagement went if you are engaged, but I doubt it was on a threshing floor at midnight surprising a pretty much stranger. She'd been working in his fields for a bit. But this is what Ruth does. She follows Naomi's instructions, and we pick it up in 3 verse 8, where it says, around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised, I wonder why, to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. What is a family redeemer? Well, this is a a biblical, even an Eastern concept that is that when there is a widow, a family member would marry the widow in order to keep the land within the extended family and in order to provide a name for the deceased husband in the generations to come. It's a family redeemer. It was the way that God had set up Israelite culture in order to care for widows. And Ruth approaches Boaz to ask him to be her family redeemer, which is a wedding proposal. Will you marry me? Friends, Ruth is on the threshing floor. She has had courage to take an awkward leap of faith and a risk, and she doesn't know what her future will hold and if he will agree to protect and provide for her. So let's take a look at Ruth, chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Friends, in the face of deep loss and hardship, challenge and hard work, she chose gratitude She chose courage, and she received great blessing because Boaz did indeed step up and become her family redeemer. There was a small issue in chapter 4 of another family redeemer, but Boaz met him at the town gate, resolved the issue, and before all the elders of the town, made a commitment to marry Ruth and to not only take care of her and her future, but also her mother-in-law, Naomi, and to carry on the name of this family for the generations to come. Ruth and Boaz received a blessing from the elders, and then we find that Ruth and Boaz in the future, in the the genealogy to come, actually were the great-grandparents of King David. 
Ruth, this foreign woman who was displaced from her land, who in choosing God and honoring him faced hardship after hardship after hardship, is in the lineage of Jesus, our eternal redeemer. Friends, through small choices along the way, God built resilience in Ruth so that she could adapt to the changes that were coming. And as that happened in her life, she received the blessing of a godly husband, of a life that was, she was cared for and had, was provided for, and she was part of the lineage of Jesus. Salem Alliance, like Ruth, you and I have faced loss and hardship. Some we would categorize as bigger losses, and some we would categorize as smaller, but the reality is that in our hearts, there are things in our life that cause grief, that cause confusion, that cause an uncertainty about what the future is going to hold. And those things are the places where God wants us to lean into him with a fierce, faith-filled commitment the way that Ruth did so that we can live into the resilience that he is building in us. And like Ruth, we have caught a glimpse of God Ruth just had the smallest view of God through the person of Naomi and getting to know the God of Israel, and she chose God. You and I, many of us, have been walking with God for years. How much more could we choose to respond to our current life situation with a fierce, faith-filled commitment to follow God's ways? I wonder if some of us have grown weary in this time with the discouraging news, with the violence, with the conflict and the tension that's in our world. And I want to offer us a challenge today, Salem Alliance. I want to offer us a challenge to live with the resilience that God is giving us. See, I get it. This is hard. I'm having my own personal struggles with just motivation to do the things that are mine to do each day. I'm discouraged by the conversations that I see in the media and social media and in person. This is a disheartening time, but God is building resilience in those who are faithful to him. We have a choice. Every day, you and I get to choose how we will think what decisions we will make, how we will act, how we will live, how we will love, and how we will honor God. And so I want to put some choices in front of us that I believe help us lean into the resilience that God is building in us. And the first choice that I see is that we need to choose God in the face of the unknown. Friends, we need to choose God the same way Ruth did. Many of us have chosen God for our life. We would call ourselves Christ followers and we've chosen to make him Lord of our life. But I believe some of us need the reminder to choose God every day. We are faced with an unknown. Things are changing day to day, week to week. We don't know what the next month or the next year holds. Probably more than ever in my lifetime, I'm aware that I am not in control, that if I make plans, they may or may not be able to happen, and that I am living in a time of the unknown. So what does it look like for me to choose God, to choose his ways? God said that we were to engage in the world. He said, be humble and gentle and patient, and bear with one another in love. Friends, some of us need the call back to God's way of doing life in these trying times. Another choice that we make is that we choose obedience in the face of hard things. We choose obedience. 
Each and every one of us have things that are ours to do on any given day. That might be some guidance and direction and calling that God has put on our life. It might be a boss or a parent or a teacher. But all of us have things that are ours to do every day. And we get to choose obedience even when those are hard things. Even when we don't like those things. Do you know why? Because God has given us strength. We are strong people who can do hard things. I think, I know that I've gotten stuck in a little bit of a cycle of complaining, and I need to be reminded of what Paul said, which is this. I can do all things. He he said all things, not some things, not a few things, not just the things I like, but all things through Christ who strengthens me. Friends, when we hold a fierce, faith-filled commitment to God and choosing his ways, he will give us strength for the hard things that he's asking us to do. So we can choose obedience even in the face of hard things. We can also choose gratitude in the face of our disappointment. Like Ruth, we can choose to notice what we can be thankful for rather than noticing what we can complain about. And hear me, friends, I am not saying to just ignore your pain. I'm not saying to take all your loss and disappointment and say, oh, it's fine, it's fine, I'm okay. That's not it at all. What I'm saying is in the middle of the grief, while you feel what is real in your life, can you also lift up your head and look for the gift that God has brought into every day and every situation and every relationship? Can you find the gift God has given and let that gratitude rise up even in the midst of true grief and loss? We choose God in the face of the unknown. We choose obedience in the face of hard things. We choose gratitude in the face of our disappointment. And we choose courage in the face of awkward situations. Friends, this global pandemic has brought up more times where I didn't know what to expect and I didn't know what was expected of me. I go into a certain store, are we wearing masks or are we not wearing masks? Uh, I get on a Zoom meeting, how do I mute? How do I not? It, it's simple little things, but friends, personally, I hate those times when I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm afraid of looking, quite frankly, like an idiot. <laughs> and, and I don't like that. And so I kind of tend to hold back. And can I encourage us to have courage in the face of our awkward situations? Kids, making friends is harder than it used to be. We don't have the natural connections that we had right now. So can I just encourage you, if you're in school, when that school starts and you get on that Google Meet, would you click on with a smile on your face and turn your video on and answer whatever corny question your teacher is asking you? Because knowing that there are other kids on the other side of that camera who are just as scared as you of what this is going to be like and how awkward it's going to feel and how am I going to be known and make friends this year? This is new to all of us. We're all foreigners here. So lean in and offer the best that you have in every situation that you're given because God will give you the strength for what he's calling you to do. For some of us, and can I just get really real here? For some of us, this is house church. We miss being together in this place. We miss corporate worship. Some of us are sad mad. We're so sad about not being together with the body of Christ that it's coming out as anger. Friends, we need to have courage in the face of an awkward situation. And we've been invited to either join or lead a house church because in the time that we can't be together in this place, we still need to be together as the church. 
And some of us are so hampered that it's just so awkward to sit in my living room and watch church on a TV. I mean, I know some of you are with me. This has been a hard season. But there is joy and there is beauty and there is strength. There is a blessing to be received if we will lean in with resilience and make the daily choices that God is putting before us. Because God is not silent. God is not taking a break during this pandemic. God is on the move. He is building his kingdom and we are invited to join him. Do you remember that I mentioned my son, my middle son Titus and his, a couple cousins, they're, they're all seniors this year. They're actually a group, they're part of a group of young men here from Salem Alliance who've grown up together through student ministries. There's a dozen or more boys who are all seniors this year that that have been together through Sunday school and middle school and high school for 10 plus years. And since a young age, it has been so obvious that this group of young men, in the words of one pastor, are a group of world changers. They are so committed to God and committed to their faith. They are so committed to community and accountability and meeting together. They've been committed to service. These young men have taken mission trips together. They've served in grade school ministries and now they're leaders in middle school ministries. A handful of them were going to be on the trip to Taiwan this last summer. Here's this powerful group of world-changing young men and they're the class of 2021. They're seniors this year. Nobody could have anticipated what this year would look like for them. And what will they do? Will they rise up with resilience as the world changers that they are? Or will they get stuck in the quagmire of the disappointment and the loss and the grief? Students, I have a challenge for you, all students, not just my son and his friends who I've known for years, but all of you from kindergarten to college. I was talking with my friend Susan Garlinger. She's one of my coworkers here. And she said, you know, the kids that grew up during the Great Depression, they became known in America as the greatest generation. What will our kids, the ones who are growing up in this time, be known for? What will their generation be remembered by? And students, I hope it's resilience. I believe that you are the generation that can not only adapt to whatever the world is throwing at you, but can thrive in what the world is throwing at you and can be a model to other generations, to my generations, how to lean in with faith-filled commitment to God that leads to resilience to be able to walk with whatever the world throws at you by faith in God. I want to put out a challenge to all of us. Friends, I'm not ignorant of the memes that are out there about 2020. It's a horrible year. It's a you fill in the blank. It's a wasted year. Can we just get it over with? Can I challenge you to lean into the rest of 2020 for everything you're worth? Because God is in 2020 and God put you in 2020 and he put you in 2020 for a reason. So choose God every day hour by hour, moment by moment if you have to. But don't get dragged into bitterness and complaint and criticism and cynicism. But lean in with hard work, with gratitude, with courage, and let God build that resistance. Friends, God is on the move. He is building his kingdom. Salem Alliance, let's step up and join him in what he is doing. It is a great time to be alive. Let's pray.
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are present with us. Your blessing is your presence, redeeming the brokenness of our world, being with us and protecting and providing for us, even in the midst of the brokenness that we live in. God, the example is joining me right now on the stage, people who have been displaced from their home country and yet testify to the goodness of you working in their lives through all these years that nothing is wasted. God, we just wanna commit to you that 2020 is not wasted. It is the life you have called us to live. May we be fiercely committed to living, faithful to you in this time, and not just existing, waiting for this pandemic to end. God, we are your people, and you have a purpose for us. Give us the resilience to lean into what you have called us to. God, we are your children. We are more than that. We are your church. We are the body of Christ from our living rooms, from, from coffee shops, from our car, from wherever we're doing house church or just watching this service, God, we offer ourselves to you as people of your purpose, as people of your kingdom who want to see what you are calling us to and moving forward as the world changers that you have created us to be. We commit ourselves to your cause and no other cause. You are God and we honor you we look for you, we long for you, we need you. We cannot live in these days without you. And so God, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.